Amen. We love you, moms. Well, we are, uh, before I get started with everything, there's a couple things that I want to do first. One is I want to bless our Kaylee. Would you come on up here? This is Kaylee's, and uh, this is uh, Kaylee actually. She's actually already not here any longer because she's actually interning for Hoovenet, and this is her first week interning with the group that is here on a missions trip from Florida. And so uh, but this is actually Kaylee's last Sunday that she'll be with us for a while, and we want to pray over her and bless her. So Craig and Lacey, would you guys come on up, and Joni, Trev, Lauren, would you guys come on up? And we just want to send her off with a prayer and with blessing. She has been such an encouragement, such a blessing to the church, to so many of you, and to so many lives of, of our kids and that uh, have been touched by God through her. And uh, we want to send her out. Not, we don't want to see her leave. We want to send her to what God has called for her. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for Kaylee. We thank you for the plans that you have for her, plans to give her a hope and a future. And I pray that through these steps that she's taking by faith, that you would open doors that only you could open, that you would take her, Lord God, into your will and into the plan that you have for her, that, God, you would make a way for her and provide for provision, provide for her in her body, her soul, and her spirit. And in every way, Lord, let her be encouraged in herself as you bless and pour out your heart upon her and that let her be a blessing, Lord, to those that you send her to. And so we release her from this place to go forth, Lord, to go out as, a, as an arrow is shot forth, Lord. Let her go, and let her go to do what you've called her to do. Let the place that she lands, Father, be impacted and parted and changed and transformed by the power that you pour through her. I pray, Lord, for testimonies of signs and wonders and miracles, and we thank you for that today. So, Lord, we pray for your peace to go before her, to make a way for her, to guard her, to keep her. Let, Father, your grace continue to move and manifest in and through her, and that your mercies, Lord, would be something that she depended on each and every day. We thank you for that as she goes forth, and we pray, Lord, that you bring her back in safety and keep her securely in your hand through all of this. And we trust you with our beautiful Kaylee. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What a, um, again, what a blessing it is to see our young ones go doing what God's called them to do. Amen. I, uh, I also, before I, I share my message with you today, I also wanted to take the opportunity to have a couple of the young people that are here on this trip and they've come with purpose and a plan and, and uh, I wanted to use them today to share some things about motherhood, a couple of different stories, a couple of wonderful things that I believe will really minister to you in the message and through their testimony. And so Deont Deontay and, and uh, Jesse, could you guys come on up here, please? Again, what a blessing this team has been, and uh, I know that these testimonies are going to really encourage you and bless you in your heart as well today. So would you make welcome Deontay and Jesse? They will just going to share with you as the Lord lays on their heart. 
It's DeMonte. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Well, um, hi, my name is DeMonte, um, and my story is more of a story, um, or excuse me, testimony is more of a story. Um, I remember back in high school, I took a public speaking class, and one of our assignments was to give a speech on who was the most influential people in our lives. Um, being in high school at the time, um, I just thought, let's do it on someone famous, and it's what everyone else is doing, let's just get it done. Um, today, I don't want to make that same mistake, but instead, I want to speak about someone who has stepped up and truly become the most influential person in my life, the person I love the most in this world, and the person who took me in when she didn't have to, my mother. Most children don't often have the choice of selecting who their parents are, because obviously you're simply born into your family. For me, I've had a completely different experience. My biological mother had me when she was 14, and my biological father was thrown into jail soon after I was born, which left my mother to raise me on her own at 14. At that young of an age, she was forced to make a decision, to raise her child as a single parent, or to let this new baby crumble her. Unfortunately, she did not know how to handle the situation and fell to the world. Still being so young, her school friends um, brought her into drinking and just doing different drugs. Um, she thought that it would help ease the pain. This caused her to not focus on the necessary things we needed in life, such as clothes, a stable roof over our head, or even food some days. But instead, the sins she wanted to partake in, such as the drinking and drugs. I lived with this going on all the way until I was about 10 years old. Now, you might be asking, I thought Mother's Day was supposed to be super light, fun, and bubbly, and talking about the good things. Well, I'm getting to that part. Um, I remember going to school, like I said, around 10 years old, and um, I met a friend named James, who was a grade younger than me. James always had the nicest things and always would be just so happy, and I wanted to be more like James. Um, so I asked to hang out with him one time, and so we had it arranged where I could ride the bus home with him one day. Upon getting to his house, I was greeted by a loving family who accepted me, who fed me, and who didn't care about the things the world was attempting them to partake in. Me and James began to bond not only at school, but by me continuously going over to hang out at his house for sleepovers. Um, Tammy was James's mother's name, and she began to notice the way I would dress, or how I'd always be hungry when I came over to their house, and one day decided to finally ask me how my home situation was. My biological mother always told me to never let anyone know our home situation, and that it would keep me safe, and, that I, and I always stood true to that, and I thought that it would keep me safe. But for some reason, I felt like it was safe to talk to Tammy. And that evening, I told her everything. When I got home that night, I was scared. I didn't know how my mother would react, and I didn't know if I would be put in a foster care for telling Tammy what was going on. Um, a couple weeks went by, nothing happened, and my friend James asked me if I wanted to come over to school one day to hang out. But when I walked into his house that day, I didn't know I'd be walking in as a new family member. That day, Tammy asked me a question I will never forget that impacted me so much. And it was DeMonte, we don't want to force you to make any decision but our family wants to help you be okay and would like for you to come and live with us for a while until your mom is also okay. I reluctantly said yes just because I didn't know how my mom would react. But little did I know, Tammy had already spoken to my mom and the Lord's hand was all over the situation. Years and years passed, six to be exact, when I decided that that was my forever family. My family, or excuse me, my mother was still living by the ways of the world, but I had a new mother who loved me unconditionally who wasn't afraid to stand up and say no to personal things going on in her life to ensure that I was taken care of first, and who didn't care what other people thought. So at the age of 16, Tammy Stewart became my adoptive mother, and my friend James became my younger brother. 
The moral of this story is that a mother isn't defined by whose womb you come out of, yet who decides to take you in and care for you in a time of need, who loves you at your worst, and who is strong even when they're in the worst of times. So today I want to commemorate every one of you mothers who are doing just that, going above and beyond all expectations. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> um, I'm just so excited to be up here. I get to talk about my mom, so it's like the best thing ever. Um, so, but I just want to honor all of you moms out there because you do more than you think you do, um, honestly. Um, but honestly, my mom, I just want to say, she is my best friend. Um, she's just always been there for me um, through anything that she's done. Um, my mom's name is Jenny, but a lot of my friends call her J-Dog. <laughs> Um, but with that, she has just been the kindest, uh, most selfless person I know. And with that, she has let me and three of my other friends stay with her for the rest of summer. I don't know why she's done that, because now it's a full house. Um, but she's stuck with us. Um, but with that, um, my mom and dad growing up, they had, uh, I would say, a rough relationship. It was like a struggle, um, I guess, ever since I was born. But obviously, I didn't know that because I was a kid. Um, and then once I turned 10, um, we first moved to Florida. And so after we moved to Florida, we moved around in Florida, back to Missouri, then back to Florida. Um, but with each transition of that, um, it was just my mom trying to fix our family, um, which was really tough on her because we had many, many moves. And so I would say there's probably about eight, and that was just her trying to fix it, um, which then she fell into a thought of like that she um, was a failure just because it didn't really work out that way. Um, but I'm here to say that she is not a failure. She's literally the best woman ever. Um, with that, she was always putting um, our happiness before hers, um, even just with the little things. And that's what I think I noticed most is like she would let us pick the radio station or let us pick the movie or do whatever. If I needed to talk to her, she would just always be there for me. She would stop eating. She'd be like, yeah, what's up? What's up? Um, and when I say she's my best friend, like she's just always wanting to do something with me. I remember all last year, it was just a season of me growing with God, um, but also getting closer with her. And we would do so many things. We would play tennis every day. We would walk every day. We would just do so many different things. Um, but what I remember truly about my mom is how she just cared for us growing up. Um, and she was really only uh, the Christian leader in our household. Um, uh, wait, I lost my spot, so sorry. <laughs> um, I did want to say um, she had to just step up to the plate a lot um, when it came to my sister and my brother, Abby, just because my dad... Uh, he was going through his own struggles, um, and he was present in my life. He's present in my life today, but it's just he was going through his own things, and so he just technically wasn't present. So she was basically mom and dad through it all, and she was just, she was just everything to us. Um, but I remember when I truly started loving God and being in a relationship with him, um, there were so many things that I was convicted about, and he was like, okay, Jesse, uh, the only person you really care about, like opinion-wise, is your mom, so why don't you just tell her? And I was like, what the heck? And so it got a lot of guts, but I remember when I told her, the only thing she said to me was how proud she was of me. Um, and it was just the most heartwarming thing because I thought she was going to be like, Jesse, what the heck? But she was not. Um, but I could stand up here saying all the great things my mom has done in the past 20 years of my life. Um, but I really just want to say to all you moms, you do more than you know. Um, and I just want to let you know that you're so loved. And even if you don't see it right now, because I mean, growing up, 
uh, every time we would move, I'd be like, mom, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck? But there's just so much fruit that came from that, so much uh, joy that came from that. And my mom, she truly showed us that um, through all the tough times, even even like with uh, the situation between my mom and dad, she truly kept the joy and light in our family. Um, but I truly just want to thank you, moms, because you really, really, really make an impact on all of us. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. DeMonte and Jesse, thank you very, very much. If, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up it to Genesis. I'm going to share with you. You know, I, I was shy. I was looking around, you know, reading something, trying to figure out what to do for Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a tough one. You know, Mother's Day is typically the third most attended church service that there is. Of the year, Mother's Day is number three, followed by Christmas. Christmas and Easter. Yes. Now, those we have the advantage, especially as ministers, of those are religious holidays. This is not a religious holiday. And this is a, this is a holiday that conjures up all sorts of emotions and reactions. And in fact, in every one of you, as you sit here today, there's different emotions and different reactions that each and every one of us would come away with. So it's a really difficult time to try to be sensitive to where everybody you're going through things. At least on a religious holiday, you're teaching through that, that holiday and what's actually happened. But Mother's Day, uh, just so you know, Mother's Day requires an extra level of sensitivity when putting together a message that is going to affect every single person in a different way. Every one of you have a mom. And so every one of you are going to be touched in this day for a different reason. Now, again, I, I think it's important for us to understand that the holiday for a lot of people is something that they don't celebrate. A lot of people don't like the holiday of Mother's Day. They don't like this. And there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people don't care for this. And many don't like it because as, as children... Each and every one of us as a child, this holiday will bring every single one of us to a point where if you've lost your mom, you're going to be in a place where you're experiencing the loss of your mom. The, the point where whether it was good or whether it was bad, it's something that you're just going to deal with and, and it does bring about a different reaction in all sorts of different people. There are some that don't want to celebrate this day because it reminds them of the abusive home in which they grew up. It reminds them of the dysfunction of their home and the dysfunction of their parents. For a lot of moms, it, it creates a, 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 an emotion because these moms were absent. Our moms weren't there. Our moms were addicts. Our moms were irresponsible. Our moms just weren't... I mean, they may have been seen, but they weren't really in the picture. And for many as parents... This day brings different reactions for many because, again, for many, there's the memories of a child that may have passed away. For a parent that's knowing the pain of what it feels to bury a child. And this day brings up all sorts of different reminders of that. There's also those that are, are struggling in infertility wanting, trying desperately to do what they can to have a baby, yet it just has not come about. On their other, there's those who, who have struggled on this day. It reminds them of their wayward children, children that they may not have talked to in years or even uh, longer. 
children that are struggling with drug addictions, children that are running from God today, young people that we raised in the church that for one reason or another are, are out there and, and literally today chasing after the darkness, inundated in a culture that wants to do nothing but swallow them whole. And then what does that create in the heart of a mom or a dad? It creates all sorts of guilt, all sorts of condemnation. It creates all sorts of, of, of thoughts of what I could have, should have done, all of the broken relationships and all of that. And this day is something that reminds us all of all of those experiences, all of those losses and all of the things that we've either done or had done to us. Honestly, it'd be really easy for me to just keep on preaching through Revelation. <laughs> but how do you ignore a holiday that's the third most attended holiday of the year in church? How, how do you just ignore that? There's something that draws people out on this non-religious holiday, on Mother's Day. And so, as much as I might like to, I can't ignore this today. But I want you to know, my desire is to be sensitive to the place where each and every one of you might be. To be sensitive to what you're walking through and what you're experiencing, even in this day today. I want to be sensitive to that. And in that thought, I, I've been praying and all week, just, God, what do you have in this? And because, you know, the question then comes up, what hope, what encouragement can we find out of the word of God in the situation that I'm being faced with? What, what can we find as a place of, of encouragement and hope? What are, are there biblical examples of motherhood's difficulties? And, and again, I, I will say, that Mother's Day is a day, and, and Mother's, I don't want to get off on the, in the deep end into the negative part of it. Mother's Day is a wonderful holiday. Mother's Day can be one of the greatest of all holidays. If you grew up with a loving, caring mom, if you grew up with a family that brought wonderful memories and all of the things that you, you, you wanted, longed for, and feel like you needed that you got, those are great memories, and this is a great day. We should also celebrate because motherhood and fatherhood, motherhood is, is probably one of, outside of being saved, the greatest honors that we have in this world is to be a mom, to be a dad. There is no greater honor that God would take something that he created in his image and put it into our sorry hands. Here you go, raise this thing. But like I said earlier, for many people, this whole idea doesn't bring up great memories for everyone. Do you know, as you look through the scriptures, I, I did not, listen, I, you know, I was kind of surprised. I did not have a hard time finding moms in the Bible that struggled with difficulties. In fact, I didn't find one that didn't. I didn't find a single one. There was nothing of perfection in there. It was all these men and women that were going through difficult times, moms who struggled. And therefore, I believe that God did those things so that each and every one of us today could find a place where we can relate with whatever our circumstance might be. And I pray that today, moms, that you will identify with some of these struggles because there are a lot. 
And I know that in this place today, there are those of you that are struggling with desiring, longing for reconciliation with a child that may be wayward today. For you children that are struggling with reconciliation with a, a mom or a dad that may be off doing something. I know that today there are a number of you that will have to contend with trying to figure out how do I forgive a mom that's passed away? What do I do? How do I deal with this whole thing? And I believe that through what I want to share with you, I'm going to believe that we can find an opportunity to be challenged in these areas and find the strength in these areas as we look at our circumstances through God's perspective. What does God say about what you're going through? And I think we can find a place where we can relate to some of the women in the Bible that God has given us who went through adversities, who struggled with difficulties of motherhood. Amen? Amen. So come along with me here. The first mom that I want to talk about today, if you look in Genesis chapter 4, we're going to look at Eve, the first mom, Adam's wife. Let's listen to her and think of her, when we're reading through this, I want you to think of her as a mom. Verse 1, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flocks. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Has God ever asked you that? Why are you angry? Oftentimes we're angry because we did what God told us not to do and we got the results that God said we would get if we did what he told us not to do. And now we're angry because God is true. Cain, why, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, you can tell how well he was listening. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, this is the story of our, our first mom. Our first mom with two kids, Cain and Abel. Again, I'm thinking about that. Can you imagine what that was like for her? I mean, what's happening to my stomach? 
What's going on here? I know she was talking with God, but there was still this place where I'm sure, what's happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why? I, you know, I, I wonder if she like, got morning sickness and wondered what in the world is going on with me. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I getting bigger and bigger? And can you imagine when it was time for the baby to be born? Help! Where else would she turn? She had no idea what it was like to have a baby. She'd never heard of anybody that had had a baby because nobody had ever had a baby before. This was the first baby that ever came from a woman. And this is what she's dealing with here as Cain comes forth. Can you imagine the kind of fear and the kind of concern and the kind of wonder and the kind of just overwhelming anxiety that would have come up when you're, when you're walking through something like that? Well, how many of you ladies can, and you know what she felt like. You had a baby and you had no idea what you were doing. You had no idea why in the world am I going through this? What's happening to me? You had examples. At least you knew what it was to have a baby. And how many just go through this time where we have a baby and we just don't have a clue what we're doing? You know, I mean, it's just only by the grace of God is this little life still a life. I know. It's amazing how they bounce. They had, she had no example. And, and again, I think there's a lot of moms out there today that can relate to that. That, you know what, I did not have a good example of what it was or what I'm supposed to do. That's why so many of, so many of you have moms that come when you have your baby. The mom comes because mom's been through it. And so mom comes to share with you and to help you. But man, when you don't have any of that, it gets kind of scary. It can be a little overwhelming. You can just feel like you're on an island all by yourself. You're stuck in this spot and don't know where to go. And then she's got these two boys that they've got some serious problems. They've got some, they've got some serious sibling rivalry problems going on inside their home. In fact, the sibling rivalry got so bad that one of the sons killed the other son. Now, I have told my brothers in the past, I'm going to kill you. But I didn't mean it. At least not to the point of action. He literally killed his brother. So what that means for Eve is that Eve knew what it was like to have a son that was murdered. She knew what it was like to bury her son. She knew what it was like to lose a son before his time. She knew what it was like to go through the heartache of that situation. You know, on the other side of that, she also knew what it was to have a son that was a murderer. A son who did the unspeakable. A son who did what he should not have done. And because of that, the Bible says he was sent away. He became one version says, a fugitive. She knew what it was like to lose her son. She knew what it was like to lose one at the hand of another to 
murder, to loss, to never be able to see a man. She knew what it was like on the other side to see a son taken away because of his choices, taken away because of what he had done, cast out because of that. Come on, she was a, she was a woman too. She was a mom. She experienced that pain, just like so many of you experience pain that you can relate to that. Maybe not the exact same circumstance, but I want you to know that even through all of that, God had a generational plan. God had a generational legacy that he was going to bring through this whole plan. A woman who was in a place where she had one son that was murdered and the other son that was a murderer, God took this woman and through her became a legacy, a generational legacy that inside of that legacy was Enoch, a man that walked with God who never knew death. Uh, Out of that came Abraham, out of that Noah, and then Abraham, and then King David, and finally Jesus Christ came through this mom's legacy. Church, God is at work. Our God is a God who knows. Even through sin, even through rebellion, even through knowing loss, even through knowing heartbreak, even through knowing all of those things, God still used her family. God still had a plan for the generations. God still had a plan to see a legacy come forth and to be poured out through this woman, through this mom, as she stood in the midst of the pain and all of the agony. Church, listen. Moms, listen. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Amen. The reason is don't ever give up because God never gives up. And if God never gives up, there's hope in every situation, in every relationship. Look at Rebecca in Genesis chapter 25, Isaac's wife. So what it says about her? Verse 19. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca's daughter, the, uh, Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel of Aramean from Padan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayers and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The babies jostled within her and she said, why is this happening to me? Come on, any moms ever cried that cry? Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, the best place to go. If you're going through something you don't understand, this is the best place to go. Inquire of the Lord. Lost my place. Anyway, okay. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Not so sure I'd be really looking forward to the second one. (laughs) So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So Isaac's wife was Rebekah, and this is a story about Rebekah. Let me just say right off the bat, this family had some serious issues. There was some serious stuff going on. This dad, 
I mean, it says right here in the scripture, this dad had a special place of favoritism towards one son. He loved Esau. On the other side of that, you got a mom who had some favoritism issues where she favored Jacob, and they made it very well known. And can any of you relate to that? Did any of you grow up in a, a home or a step? home where you knew one kid was favored over the other. Maybe, you know, one of your brothers or sisters was favored. Maybe the family was blended and, and, and mom and dad had a, had a new child together and you come into the situation and, and it's just obvious and it was always obvious that mom had a special place for that child and you had to live with that. Or maybe you were that one that was favored and you had to live with the looks from your brothers and sisters who glared at you because they, they all knew that you were the favored one? Mom, that would create some serious issues. And I'm sure there are many of you that grew up with some of that going on. Now again, I want you to see Rebecca, her, her one son, her favorite son, Jacob, was known as being a liar and a deceiver. Okay, that is something that, you know, when you're known as a liar and a deceiver, it's when you've got the spirit of lying on you that you just can't stop it. There's times when people that have that spirit of lying and deceiving on them that they will lie and it makes the situation worse. When if they would have just told the truth, it would not have gone as bad. I mean, the truth wouldn't have got them in trouble, yet their lie got them in all kinds of trouble. Well, why did you lie? I don't know. I can imagine Jacob was that kid. He was that kid that just had the spirit of lying and deceiving upon him. And his mom, instead of correcting the behavior, instead of disciplining her son, she went ahead and encouraged that behavior and encouraged it even in her own family. By her hand, she was bringing destruction to the relationship between these boys. She actually plotted with Jacob to figure out a way that they could steal Esau's birthright, his, his father's blessing, which in that day was something that was the most valuable thing that they had. There was nothing more important than that. And this younger brother came in and by mom's hand was helped to steal what was most important to her brother or to his brother. How many of us have gone through that? Where even brothers and sisters have, we felt, betrayed us. And to us, it looked like mom encouraged it. Yeah. This place where there's just this pain of all of these things that go on. And, and because of all of this sibling rivalry, because of what was going on, and listen, this was sibling rivalry fueled by the hands of moms and dads' favoritism. It was fueled by this parental dysfunction. It was, it was fueled by a lack of discipline inside of their home. And because of that, again, we get back to this place where one son literally wanted to kill his brother. That is some serious dysfunction. I mean, that's, that's not a good thing when one kid wants to kill another kid. And I want you to hear this. So by the work of her own hand, the Bible tells us that her son was sent away. And he was sent away for 20 years. She was separated from her son because of the rivalry that was created much of by the work of her own hands. 
Look, how many of you moms can relate to the pain of a child that you have not talked to in years? A child that you've been separated from. To know the pain of that. Yeah, listen. Her son Jacob, all that stuff being true, her son Jacob goes on to become Israel. Goes on to become the people, the nation. God blessed and called his own. That was Jacob. And church, listen, no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance might be today, no matter what you've gone through or what you're experiencing in this thing called motherhood, I want you to know that you serve a God of redemption. Our God is all about redeeming. He is a God who wants to redeem these relationships. Our God is redeemer. And you are not without hope today. If God did for them, he will do for you. What about our next moms? I'm going to focus on Rachel, but there's Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah were, they ended up being Jacob's wives, two sisters who married the same guy. You can read the story in Genesis 29 through 50, the whole long, it's a drawn out story there. But what, what happened in a nutshell was that Jacob had been, he had to run because his brother wanted to kill him. So he goes to Laban and he falls in love with Laban's daughter. And Laban's daughter, Rachel, she was so pretty. She was so good looking. She was such a nice lady. He fell in love with her. And because of that, he says to Laban, what can I do to have your daughter? He says, you can work for me for seven years. And so he does. He works for him for seven years. In fact, the Bible says that he loved her so much that that seven years seemed like a day. It went by so fast, and then his wedding night. Listen, and I can imagine that in that day, there was a lot of fermented grape. And I can only imagine that it had something to do with, listen, weddings and alcohol don't mix well. And here they have this wedding, and I, again, I'm, uh, this is just my interjection here. I, I believe that they had, there had to have been some kind of drinking going on at this thing because he gets married and then he, it, it's dark, it's night, and he goes into bed and, um, and his, rather than Rachel, his dad sends Leah in and they sleep together and he doesn't notice until morning. So, in the morning, he gets up and says, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't my beautiful bride that I've worked seven years for. This is Leah. And, and you know, again, there were some issues with Leah, but obviously she was the homely one. And so he tricked him. And he goes back and he says, what in the world, Laban, why did you do this? Well, I couldn't let my younger daughter get married before my older daughter. Well, why didn't you tell me that, like maybe six years ago? I could have worked a lot less time for her. And so now he's like, i got to work another seven years for her. And so he does, and he's willing to do it. And he works seven years, and he marries Rachel. How'd you like to be Leah in that relationship? Knowing that your husband had a favorite here, that he always wanted to be with her. He's always wanting children with her. He's always wanting the things to be done with her. And how would you imagine being Rachel? Leah keeps having babies. She just keeps having these kids. And I'm not having any. She, she knew the struggle of infertility. 
She knew the difficulties that were there and the jealousy that it must have created as she watched Leah continue to have babies and she didn't have them. And imagine the kind of strife that that created inside of this home. And what did they do? They do what most of us do. We try to fix it ourselves. And they tried to fix the problem themselves. They brought the maidservants in. They got more you know, involved in all that stuff. And you know what happened? The more they tried to fix it, the worse the situation got. The more they tried to do, the less things got better. And their solution, what did their solution create? Their solution created more stepchildren. Their solution caused more division, more animosity, more bitterness, and more strife. Look, can anybody relate to that? You tried to fix things, tried to make things right, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Well, finally, Rachel gets pregnant, and she has a baby. And this baby's name is Joseph. And now, inside of this family dynamic, you have this new son of Rachel's, Joseph, who becomes dad's obvious favorite child. Oh my goodness, can't you just imagine the kind of resentment that half-brothers would have had? This, this was a blended family like we've never seen before. This was, this was a family of stepkids and, and all of the bitterness and all of the resentment that can happen in the midst of all of that. Think about this. This was a home with 12 kids from four different moms. Man, this would have been rough. And the stepkids, they begin to resent this Joseph because of what he's done. And so finally, the, you know, Joseph has the dream and all of that. But then he, you know, he's out there in the field with them, and they decide, you know what? We're going to kill him. Another one. You know, again, please remember that God does relate murder to us hating somebody. So they want to kill him. And they, finally they decide no. And I don't think they decided no because they wanted to do something better for him. I think ultimately they all agreed to do this, to send him off into slavery, because that was even worse. No, no, no let's not let him die. Let's make him suffer for the rest of his life as a slave. And so they, they send Joseph off. You know, and all of this, becomes evident. If you look at this, this is all evidence of a, of a dysfunctional family that has happened and gone on for years and years and years. That kind of dysfunction doesn't just happen in a moment. It came forth in this blended family. Look, how many blended families can relate to these trials? Man, the circumstances. And then Rachel has one more son. And then she dies. So she has Benjamin, and then she dies. These kids, these young kids now lose their mom. In this home, these kids knew what it was like to grow up without their mom, without mom being there to help them, without mom being there to stand up for them. They knew what it was like to lose their mom. And I think God's relating to those of you who know the pain of losing your mom at a young age. And it creates in this day of Mother's Day some real issues in your heart. Yet you know what? God still uses her son Joseph. 
God uses Joseph. He uses this whole circumstance to preserve her entire family. Even though it was broken, and even though it was dysfunctional, and even though this family was a mess, God used Joseph to preserve this family and then the entire nation of Israel. God, and not only did God, through this time, through this prayer, use Joseph, but he used all of the children. He used even the stepchildren. He used all of them. He brought them all together, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Church, God is showing us that we are, you are never without a hope. There is a hope for you. There's a hope for your family. There's a hope for your children. There's a hope for the brokenness. There's a hope for the blended. There's a hope for you and for your children in each and every one of you. Our God is a God of hope. Last one that I'm going to bring up is Jacobed. In Exodus chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the tribe of Levi, and his name was Amram. You can find that in Exodus chapter 6. It talks about the genealogies, and it talks about Amram being married to a Levite woman named Jochebed, and she was pregnant and gave birth to a son. His name is? Moses. Moses. That's right. So when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds in the bank of the Nile. Her, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave, female slave to get it. She opened it and saw a baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Jacobed, she was a caring, loving mom. This was not a mom who didn't care about this child that was born. She did. She cared about him. And she's married to, again, Exodus 6 tells us, she's married to a man named Amram. But my question is, where is he? Where is he in this story? Where is he in all the choices and decisions that this mom is making? Where's dad? Where's the father of this child? There's no mention of him. Now again, I, I, again I, I, I'm going on the fact that he's not even mentioned here. Nothing is even said of him being involved in the decisions, being involved with what to do with this baby, what to do with the life of this baby, what to do with the care for this baby. Dad's not anywhere. And she's the one, it says she's the one who provided the protection for that child. She's the one who brought provision to that child. She's the one who hid that child. She's the one who built a watery makeshift tomb. She's the one who carried her baby down to the river's edge. She's the one who released this baby into the Nile. And, and again, doing some research, I didn't know like, where this was or what area of the Nile is a big river. What was in the river? At that time, that river was filled with Nile crocodiles. What Pharaoh was doing with all the babies was feeding the crocodiles. 
fact, I believe that that's why the Pharaoh's daughter had the, her slaves walking up and down the beach looking to see if there was any crocodiles in the area. Again, that's just my thought on that. But she's the one who went through all of that. She's the one who walked home alone. And isn't it by the grace of God, the mercy of God, that God did this miracle? But imagine what was going on in this woman's life, in this woman's heart, when she was walking through this time with her three-month-old baby. The sense of heartbreak, the agony that at her choice this was going on, her decision, no help from dad, no help from the baby's father. And then by the hand of God, God miraculously brings this baby into her life again to feed this baby, to have this baby for the next three, until the baby's weaned, probably three to five years. Three to five years, she's imparting into this little baby. Three to five years, she's nursing this baby. Three to five years, she's caring for this baby. She's taking care of this baby. She's loving on this baby. She's praying over this baby. She's caring for this baby. But church, after three to five years, imagine how attached they were. Now, she's got to take this baby and give him up for adoption. Maybe you moms could tell better than me as a dad, but I don't know which would have been more difficult, taking the baby down in the basket to the Nile River or giving that baby up for adoption because you loved that baby and wanted to keep that baby alive after three to five years of imparting into this little life. I don't think either of them are a good or easy decision to make. I don't think any of them struggled. We wouldn't struggle with that. But listen, how many of you ladies today can relate to the pain of giving up a child? How many moms today can relate to caring for and raising a child with no help from dad? Having to make all those decisions and all those choices yourself. Going through all of that without any help at all. But this story in scripture is one of my favorite in all of the scripture. Because what this mom imparted in the little bit of time that she had one out. Moses was taken, when he was given away, he was given into Pharaoh's house, into Pharaoh's palace. He was trained in the ways of the culture. He was inundated into the ways of the culture. He was taught to lead in the ways of the culture. He was consumed into the darkness. He was brought into that place where he was culturally, he was inundated into it all. He spent 35 years running in the culture, running away from God, running away. In no way, shape, or form did he have anything really to do with God. And finally, when it comes down to it, push comes to shove. And what does he do? He chooses what his mother had imparted into him after 35 years of running in the culture, running in the darkness, running into what would be a pagan area, a pagan place. This kid, after 35 years of being trained by this pagan culture, comes back to what he learned in that first three to five years of his life. What his mama had imparted into him and what his mama had prayed over him during all of those years and all of that time, God brought it back to fruition 
You know, even in all of that darkness, it's amazing that God used Moses to be his mom's deliverer. The power of God. The power of God. Worship team, would you come on back up? You know, these stories, and I, and I, I want you to all hear this. These stories remind us that it's okay if the relationship between a mom and their children isn't perfect. It's okay if it's not perfect. In fact, there are none that are. We're not perfect families. We're not perfect moms. We're not perfect dads. All we are are those who are following after a perfect God. We are the ones who have this opportunity to trust God with where we are, to trust God with what he's doing. Because church, each and every one of us, no matter where we are, we look at this thing from our perspective. And what we deal with is each and every one of us are dealing with now. What's going on now? I'm dealing with now. While God, God is already dealing with the not yet. Wow. So God is able to move and minister in what you have not even seen yet. God is able to move and minister in your children's lives in the areas that you have not even seen yet. God is able to move and minister in the future that you have not even seen yet. Because our God is a God who doesn't just deal in the now. He's a God who's already in the not yet. And he's already living in your not yet. He's living in your kids not yet. He's living in that place where he's leading and directing and God will bring his will about. We continue to stand like Jacobet. I can imagine that there were a lot of sleepless nights where she prayed for her son. But that's, that's enough. You know, I mean, most of you can probably relate to this. You know, sometimes in life, it's tough enough just to try to take care of ourselves. Sometimes I, I, you know, don't know how I make it. <laughs> Because I, you know, get so consumed in myself and I, I don't even know how in the world I can take care of myself, let alone this little life that God brings into our home and, and causes this little life to grow and to continue to grow and to get older and to get attitude and make decisions and choices and oftentimes those decisions and choices are reflective of what's going on in our home and oftentimes how we've blown it how we've made mistakes how we've done this or how we've done that and I thank God that we serve a God who is a redeemer he is a redeemer of all things we have this opportunity today to trust in God to trust in the assurance that our God listen our God is already at work returning the prodigals bringing home the lost our God is already at work redeeming those things that were the biggest mistakes, the most horrific accidents in our life, the places where we blew it the most are the places where God is already redeeming, bringing back to us so that we can see the hand of God at work uh, redeeming those things that have been lost. God is already doing for both parents and children alike what we could never do on our own. He is fulfilling His Word. And he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. That's not just for you and your promise. That's for your children and children's children's promise. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe that more than that today? He has never lied to you. If he's lied once, we can't trust him in at all. Honestly, if he's ever lied once to us, we can't trust him for salvation. But church, our God has never lied. And never will he lie. And if he says he has plans for you and for your children, then you have to know he has plans for them. And no matter where they are today or no matter what you're going through today, that does not change the plans of an almighty, omniscient, omnipotent God. Amen? There's hope in our Redeemer. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you today, Lord, that through our brokenness and through our pain, through the loss and through the agony that we suffer in ourselves, we serve a God who's able to redeem all those things, a God who's able to bring about his plans and purposes, even out of all of our failures and faults, a God that is so big and so powerful and so mighty that even, Lord God, our will can't stop yours from being accomplished, that though you've given us a free will and though we've given us a freedom of choice, our God is able to take that which is not his will and turn it about and use it as his will will. Our God is able. Our God is mighty. Our God is in charge. And I thank you today, Lord, that you're the God who brings hope to the hopeless, that brings healing to the broken, that you're the God today that brings peace to the anxious, that you're the God who brings faith to the fearful, that you're the God who brings healing to the hurting, that you're the God, that you're the God who brought the prodigal son back to the father, that you're the God who's able to do anything, that nothing is impossible for you, and therefore nothing is impossible for those who trust and believe in you. And today I pray, Lord, that you would fill the anxious places, the hurting, the broken places of each one that's going through something in their own life and fill it, Lord, with the hope that your word and only your word can bring. Lord, it's not my words, it's your word that brings healing. And I pray that you use that word that's been released into this place today to touch the hearts and lives of many. Thank you for this day, Lord. And I thank you that we can trust you. Church, do you know you can trust him? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, he's calling you to put your trust in him so that you can have the hope we're talking about. That God wants to redeem your life and redeem what the canker worm has eaten. That God wants to bring salvation and the hope of eternal life to you by calling upon his name. Admit your faults and your failures. Admit your sin. And call upon the only one that's able to forgive you of that sin. Jesus said he's the only way. There aren't many ways to heaven. There's one way, and it's only through Jesus. And either he was truth or he was lies. I choose today to believe in every word as truth. So submit yourself to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you of your unrighteousness, so that you can have a hope of glory, a 
hope of his presence in your life. That he would come and live and dwell in you. That the Holy Spirit would baptize you with a fresh fire. That he would bring the confident assurance that he is with you. Ask him, Lord, come into my life. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Watch God begin to redeem the time. Watch God begin to redeem the loss. Watch God begin to bring life and breath to what has died and been buried. For others in this place today, our hope is in Him as well. There is no other hope we have but the hope in Jesus. For all the brokenness that this day represents, we have a God that can put all the puzzle pieces together and make something wonderful and beautiful. And we trust Him with that today. That if God, what you did in the Scriptures, you can do in me. That what you did for one, you will do for me. That you are no respecter of persons. And I pray today, Lord, that you would minister your grace and mercy to those who call out. To bring healing and wholeness to places where, Lord God, I have no idea how or, or what it would take, but you do. Our God is a restorer. Our God is healer. Our God is Redeemer. And through it all, we can trust in Him. What he does. This is what he's doing right now. Come on, everybody, lift up your voices and sing it out. And I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that God has instilled hope into this day for each and every one of you. God bless you. Church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the church. God bless you. Have a beautiful day today. Happy Mother's Day. Sing us as we go. Come on. I'll sing to you.